Chapters 50 and 51 of Don Quixote, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Don Quixote, Volume 2, by Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra. Translated by William Ormsby. Chapter 50. Wherein is set forth who the enchanters and executioners were who flogged the duena and pinched Don Quixote, and also what befell the page who carried the letter to Teresa Panza, Sancho Panza's wife. Cide Amete, the painstaking investigator of the minute points of this veracious history, says that when Doña Rodriguez left her own room to go to Don Quixote's, another duena who slept with her observed her, and as all duenas are fond of prying, listening, and sniffing, she followed her so silently that the good Rodriguez never perceived it, and as soon as the duena saw her enter Don Quixote's room, not to fail in a duena's invariable practice of tattling, she hurried off that instant to report to the duchess how Doña Rodriguez was closeted with Don Quixote. The duchess told the duke and asked him to let her and Altisidora go and see what the said duena wanted with Don Quixote. The duke gave them leave, and the pair cautiously and quietly crept to the door of the room, and posted themselves so close to it that they could hear all that was said inside. But when the duchess heard how the Rodriguez had made public the Aranjuez of her issues, she could not restrain herself, nor Altisidora either, and so, filled with rage and thirsting for vengeance, they burst into the room and tormented Don Quixote and flogged the duena in the manner already described, for indignities offered to their charms and self-esteem mightily provoke the anger of women and make them eager for revenge. The duchess told the duke what had happened, and he was much amused by it, and she, in pursuance of her design of making merry and diverting herself with Don Quixote, dispatched the page who had played the part of Dulcinea in the negotiations for her disenchantment, which Sancho Panza in the cares of government had forgotten all about, to Teresa Panza his wife, with her husband's letter and another from herself, and also a great string of fine coral beads as a present. Now the history says this page was very sharp and quick-witted, and eager to serve his lord and lady, he set off very willingly for Sancho's village. Before he entered it, he observed a number of women washing in a brook, and asked them if they could tell him whether there lived there a woman of the name of Teresa Panza, wife of Juan Sancho Panza, squire to a knight called Don Quixote of La Mancha. At the question, a young girl who was washing stood up and said, Teresa Panza is my mother, and that Sancho is my father, and that knight is our master. Well then, miss, said the page, Come and show me where your mother is, for I bring her a letter and a present from your father. That I will do with all my heart, senor, said the girl, who seemed to be about fourteen, more or less, and leaving the clothes she was washing to one of her companions, and without putting anything on her head or feet, for she was bare-legged and had her hair hanging about her, away she skipped in front of the page's horse, saying, Come, your worship, our house is at the entrance of the town, and my mother is there, sorrowful enough at not having had any news of my father this ever so long. Well, said the page, I am bringing her such good news that she will have reason to thank God. And then, skipping, running, and capering, the girl reached the town, but before going into the house she called out at the door, 
Come out, Mother Teresa, come out, come out. Here's a gentleman with letters and other things from my good father. At these words her mother Teresa Panza came out, spinning a bundle of flax, in a grey petticoat, so short was it one could have fancied they to her shame had cut it short, a grey bodice of the same stuff and a smock. She was not very old, though plainly past forty, strong, healthy, vigorous, and sun-dried. And seeing her daughter and the page on horseback, she exclaimed, What's this, child? What gentleman is this? A servant of my lady, Doña Teresa Panza, replied the page, and suiting the action to the word, he flung himself off his horse, and with great humility advanced to kneel before the lady Teresa, saying, Let me kiss your hand, Señora Doña Teresa, as the lawful and only wife of Señor Don Sancho Panza, rightful governor of the island of Barataria. Ah, Señor, get up, do that, said Teresa, for I'm not a bit of a court lady, but only a poor countrywoman, the daughter of a clod-crusher, and the wife of a squire errant, and not of any governor at all. You are, said the page, the most worthy wife of a most arch-worthy governor, and as proof of what I say, accept this letter and this present. And at the same time he took out of his pocket a string of coral beads with gold clasps, and placed it on her neck, and said, This letter is from his lordship the governor, and the other as well as these coral beads from my lady the duchess, who sends me to your worship. Teresa stood lost in astonishment, and her daughter just as much, and the girl said, May I die but our master Don Quixote's at the bottom of this. He must have given father the government or county he so often promised him. That is the truth, said the page, for it is through Señor Don Quixote that Señor Sancho is now governor of the island of Barataria, as will be seen by this letter. Will your worship read it to me, noble sir? said Teresa, for though I can spin, I can't read, not a scrap. Nor I either, said Sanchica, but wait a bit and I'll fetch someone who can read it, either the curate himself or the bachelor Samson Carrasco, and they'll come gladly to hear any news of my father. There is no need to fetch anybody, said the page, for though I can't spin, I can read, and I'll read it. And so he read it through, but as it has already been given, it is not inserted here and then he took out the other one from the duchess, which ran as follows. Friend Teresa, your husband Sancho's good qualities, of heart as well as of head, induced and compelled me to request my husband the duke to give him the government of one of his many islands. I am told he governs like a gerfalcon, of which I am very glad, and my lord the duke, of course, also, and I am very thankful to heaven that I have not made a mistake in choosing him for that same government for I would have Senora Teresa know that a good governor is hard to find in this world, and may God make me as good as Sancho's way of governing. Herewith I send you, my dear, a string of coral beads with gold clasps. I wish they were oriental pearls, but he who gives thee a bone does not wish to see thee dead. A time will come when we shall become acquainted and meet one another, but God knows the future." Commend me to your daughter Sanchica, and tell her from me to hold herself in readiness, for I mean to make a high match for her when she least expects it. They tell me there are big acorns in your village. Send me a couple of dozen or so, and I shall value them greatly as coming from your hand, and write to me at length to assure me of your health and well-being. And if there be anything you stand in need of, it is but to open your mouth, 
and that shall be the measure, and so God keep you. From this place, your loving friend, the Duchess. Ah, what a good, plain, lowly lady, said Teresa when she heard the letter, that I may be buried with ladies of that sort, and not the gentlewomen we have in this town, that fancy because they are gentlewomen the wind must not touch them, and go to church with as much airs as if they were queens, no less, and seem to think they are disgraced if they look at a farmer's wife. And see here how this good lady, for all she's a duchess, calls me friend, and treats me as if I was her equal, and equal may I see her with the tallest church tower in La Mancha. And as for the acorn, senor, I'll send her ladyship a peck, and such big ones that one might come to see them as a show and a wonder. And now, Sanchica, see that the gentleman is comfortable. Put up his horse and get some eggs out of the stable, and cut plenty of bacon, and let's give him his dinner like a prince, for the good news he has brought, and his own bonny face deserve it all. And meanwhile I'll run out and give the neighbors the news of our good luck, and Father Curate and Master Nicholas the Barber, who are and always have been such friends of thy father's. That I will, mother, said Sanchica, but mind, you must give me half of that string, for I don't think my lady the duchess could have been so stupid as to send it all to you. It is all for thee, my child, said Teresa, but let me wear it round my neck for a few days, for verily it seems to make my heart glad. You will be glad too, said the page, when you see the bundle there is in this portmanteau, for it is a suit of the finest cloth, that the governor only wore one day out hunting, and now sends, all for Senora Sanchica. May he live a thousand years, said Sanchica, and the bearer as many, nay, two thousand if needful. With this Teresa hurried out of the house with the letters, and with the string of beads round her neck, and went along thrumming the letters as if they were a tambourine, and by chance coming across the curate and Samson Carrasco, she began capering and saying, None of us poor now, Faith. We've got a little government. Ay, let the finest fine lady tackle me, and I'll give her a setting down. What's all this, Teresa Panza? said they. What madness is this, and what papers are those? The madness is only this, said she, that these are the letters of duchesses and governors, and these I have on my neck are fine coral beads, with Ave Marias and paternosters of beaten gold, and I am a governess. God help us, said the curate. We don't understand you, Teresa, or know what you are talking about. There, you may see it yourselves, said Teresa, and she handed him the letters. The curate read them out for Samson Carrasco to hear, and Samson and he regarded one another with looks of astonishment at what they had read, and the bachelor asked who had brought the letters. Teresa, in reply, bade them come with her to her house, and they would see the messenger, a most elegant youth, who had brought another present which was worth as much more. The curate took the coral beads from her neck and examined them again and again, and having satisfied himself as to their fineness, he fell to wondering afresh and said, By the gown I wear I don't know what to say or think of these letters and presents. On the one hand I can see and feel the fineness of these coral beads, and on the other I read how a duchess sends to beg for a couple of dozen of acorns. Square that if you can, said Carrasco. Well, let's go and see this messenger, and from him we'll learn something about this mystery that has turned up. They did so, and Teresa returned with them. They found the page sifting a little barley for his horse, 
and Sanchica cutting a rasher of bacon to be paved with eggs for his dinner. His looks and his handsome apparel pleased them both greatly, and after they had saluted him courteously, and he them, Samson begged him to give them his news, as well of Don Quixote as of Sancho Panza, for, he said, though they had read the letters from Sancho and her ladyship the Duchess, they were still puzzled and could not make out what was meant by Sancho's government, and above all of an island, when all or most of those in the Mediterranean belonged to his majesty. To this the page replied, As to Señor Sancho Panza's being a governor, there is no doubt whatever, but whether it is an island or not that he governs, with that I have nothing to do. Suffice it that it is a town of more than a thousand inhabitants. With regard to the acorns, I may tell you my lady the duchess is so unpretending and unassuming that, not to speak of sending to beg for acorns from a peasant woman, she has been known to send to ask for the loan of a comb from one of her neighbors. For I would have your worships know that the ladies of Aragon, though they are just as illustrious, are not so punctilious and haughty as the Castilian ladies. They treat people with greater familiarity. In the middle of this conversation, Sanchica came in with her skirt full of eggs, and she said to the page, Tell me, senor, does my father wear trunk hose since he has been governor? I have not noticed, said the page, but he no doubt wears them. Ah, my God, said Sanchica, what a sight it must be to have my father in tights. Isn't it odd that ever since I was born I have had a longing to see my father in trunk hose? As things go, you will see that if you live, said the page. By God, he is in the way to take the road with the sunshade if the government only lasts him two months more. The curate and the bachelor could see plainly enough that the page spoke in a waggish vein, but the fineness of the coral beads and the hunting suit that Sanchico sent, for Teresa had already shown it to them, did away with the impression, and they could not help laughing at Sanchica's wish, and still more when Teresa said, Senor Curate, look about if there's anybody here going to Madrid or Toledo to buy me a hooped petticoat, a proper fashionable one of the best quality. For indeed and indeed I must do honor to my husband's government as well as I can. Nay, if I am put to it and have to, I'll go to court and set a coach like all the world. For she who has a governor for her husband may very well have one and keep one. And why not, mother, said Sanchica, would to God it were to-day instead of to-morrow, even though they were to say when they saw me seated in the coach with my mother, See that rubbish, that garlic-stuffed fellow's daughter, how she goes stretched at her ease in a coach as if she was a sheep-hope. But let them tramp through the mud, and let me go in my coach with my feet off the ground. Bad luck to backbiters all over the world. Let me go warm, and the people may laugh. Do I say right, mother? To be sure you do, my child, said Teresa, and all this good luck, and even more, my good Sancho foretold me, and thou wilt see, my daughter, he won't stop till he has made me a countess, for to make a beginning is everything in luck, and as I have heard thy good father say many a time, for besides being thy father, he's the father of Proverbs, too, when they offer thee a heifer, run with a halter, when they offer thee a government, take it, when they would give thee a county, seize it, when they say, Hear, hear to thee with something good, swallow it. Oh, no, go to sleep, and don't answer the strokes of good fortune and the lucky chances that are knocking at the door of your house. And what do I care, added Sanchica, whether anybody says when he sees me holding my head up, 
The dog saw himself in hempen breeches, and the rest of it. Hearing this, the curate said, I do believe that all this family of the Panzas are born with a sack full of proverbs in their insides, every one of them. I never saw one of them that does not pour them out at all times and on all occasions. That is true, said the page, for Señor Governor Sancho utters them at every turn, and though a great many of them are not to the purpose, still they amuse one, and my lady the Duchess and the Duke praise them highly. Then you still maintain that all this about Sancho's government is true, senor, said the bachelor, and that there actually is a duchess who sends him presents and writes to him? Because we, although we have handled the present and read the letters, don't believe it and suspect it to be something in the line of our fellow townsman, Don Quixote, who fancies that everything is done by enchantment. And for this reason I am almost ready to say that I'd like to touch and feel your worship to see whether you are a mere ambassador of the imagination, or a man of flesh and blood. All I know, sirs, replied the page, is that I am a real ambassador, and that Señor Sancho Panza is governor as a matter of fact, and that my lord and lady the duke and duchess can give, and have given him this same government, and that I have heard the said Sancho Panza bears himself very stoutly therein. Whether there be any enchantment in all this or not, it is for your worships to settle between you for that's all I know by the oath I swear, and that is by the life of my parents whom I have still alive and love dearly. It may be so, said the bachelor, but dubitat Augustinus. Doubt who will, said the page. What I have told you is the truth, and that will always rise above falsehood as oil above water, if not operibus credite et non verbis. Let one of you come with me, and he will see with his eyes what he does not believe with his ears. It's for me to make that trip, said Sanchica. Take me with you, senor, behind you on your horse, for I'll go with all my heart to see my father. Governor's daughters, said the page, must not travel along the roads alone, but accompanied by coaches and litters and a great number of attendants. By God, said Sanchica, I can go as well mounted on a she-ass as in a coach, what a dainty lass you must take me for. Hush, girl, said Teresa, you don't know what you're talking about. The gentleman is quite right, for, as the time, so the behavior. When it was Sancho, it was Sancha. When it is governor, it's Senora. I don't know if I'm right. Senora Teresa says more than she is aware of, said the page, and now give me something to eat and let me go at once, for I mean to return this evening. Come and do penance with me, said the curate at this, for Senora Teresa has more will than means to serve so worthy a guest. The page refused, but had to consent at last for his own sake, and the curate took him home with him very gladly, in order to have an opportunity of questioning him at leisure about Don Quixote and his doings. The bachelor offered to write the letters in reply for Teresa, but she did not care to let him mix himself up in her affairs, for she thought him somewhat given to joking, and so she gave a cake and a couple of eggs to a young acolyte who was a penman, and he wrote for her two letters, one for her husband and the other for the duchess, dictated out of her own head, which are not the worst inserted in this great history, as will be seen farther on. Chapter 51 Of the Progress of Sancho's Government and Other Such Entertaining Matters Day came after the night of the governor's round, 
a night in which the head-carver passed without sleeping, so were his thoughts of the face and air and beauty of the disguised damsel, while the major-domo spent what was left of it in writing an account to his lord and lady of all Sancho said and did, being as much amazed at his sayings as at his doings, for there was a mixture of shrewdness and simplicity in all his words and deeds. The senor governor got up, and by Dr. Pedro Recio's directions, they made him break his fast on a little conserve and four sups of cold water, which Sancho would have readily exchanged for a piece of bread and a bunch of grapes. But seeing there was no help for it, he submitted with no little sorrow of heart and discomfort of stomach. Pedro Recio, having persuaded him that light and delicate diet enlivened the wits, and that was what was most essential for persons placed in command and in responsible situations, where they have to employ not only the bodily powers, but those of the mind also. By means of this sophistry, Sancho was made to endure hunger, and hunger so keen that in his heart he cursed the government, and even him who had given it to him. However, with his hunger and his concert, he undertook to deliver judgments that day, and the first thing that came before him was a question that was submitted to him by a stranger, in the presence of the major-domo and the other attendants, and it was in these words. Senor, a large river separated two districts of one and the same lordship. Will your worship please to pay attention, for the case is an important and a rather knotty one? Well, then, on this river there was a bridge, and at one end of it a gallows, and a sort of tribunal, where four judges commonly sat to administer the law which the lord of river, bridge, and the lordship had enacted, and which was to this effect. If any one crosses by this bridge from one side to the other, he shall declare an oath where he is going to, and with what object, and if he swears truly, he shall be allowed to pass, but if falsely, he shall be put to death for it by hanging on the gallows erected there, without any remission. Though the law and its severe penalty were known, many persons crossed, but in their declarations it was easy to see at once they were telling the truth, and the judges let them pass free. It happened, however, that one man, when they came to take his declaration, swore and said that by the oath he took he was going to die upon that gallows that stood there, and nothing else. The judges held a consultation over the oath, and they said, If we let this man pass free, he has sworn falsely, and by the law he ought to die. But if we hang him, as he swore he was going to die on that gallows, and therefore swore the truth, by the same law he ought to go free. It is asked of your worship, Senor Governor, what are the judges to do with this man? For they are still in doubt and perplexity, and having heard of your worship's acute and exalted intellect, they have sent me to entreat your worship on their behalf to give your opinion on this very intricate and puzzling case. To this Sancho made answer, Indeed, those gentlemen the judges that send you to me might have spared themselves the trouble, for I have more of the obtuse than the acute in me. But repeat the case over again, so that I may understand it, and then perhaps I may be able to hit the point. The querist repeated again and again what he had said before, and then Sancho said, It seems to me I can set the matter right in a moment, and in this way. The man swears that he is going to die upon the gallows, but if he dies upon it, he has sworn the truth, and by the law enacted deserves to go free and pass over the bridge. But if they don't hang him, then he has sworn falsely, and by the same law deserves to be hanged. It is as the Senor Governor says, said the messenger, and as regards a complete comprehension of the case, there is nothing left to desire or hesitate about. 
Well then I say, said Sancho, that of this man they should let pass the part that has sworn truly, and hang the part that has lied, and in this way the conditions of the passage will be fully complied with. But then, Senor Governor, replied the querist, the man will have to be divided into two parts, and if he is divided, of course he will die, and so none of the requirements of the law will be carried out, and it is absolutely necessary to comply with it. Look here, my good sir, said Sancho, either I'm a numbskull, or else there is the same reason for this passenger dying as for his living and passing over the bridge, for if the truth saves him, the falsehood equally condemns him and that being the case, it is my opinion you should say to the gentleman who sent you to me, that as the arguments for condemning him and for absolving him are exactly balanced, they should let him pass freely, as it is always more praiseworthy to do good than to do evil. This I would give signed with my name if I knew how to sign. And what I have said in this case is not but of my own head, but one of the many precepts my master Don Quixote gave me the night before I left to become governor of this island, that came into my mind, and it was this, that when there was any doubt about the justice of a case, I should lean to mercy, and it is God's will that I should recollect it now, for it fits this case as if it was made for it. That is true, said the majordomo, and I maintain that Lycurgus himself, who gave laws to the Lacedaemonians, could not have pronounced a better decision than the great Panza has given. Let the morning's audience close with this, and I will see that the senior governor has dinner entirely to his liking. That's all I ask for, fair play, said Sancho. Give me my dinner, and then let it rain cases and questions on me, and I'll dispatch them in a twinkling. The majordomo kept his word, for he felt it against his conscience to kill so wise a governor by hunger, particularly as he intended to have done with him that same night, playing off the last joke he was commissioned to practice upon him. It came to pass, then, that after he had dined that day, in opposition of the rules and aphorisms of Dr. Tirte Afuera, as they were taking away the cloth, there came a courier with a letter from Don Quixote for the governor. Sancho ordered the secretary to read it to himself, and if there was nothing in it that demanded secrecy, to read it aloud. The secretary did so, and after he had skimmed the contents, he said, It may well be read aloud, for what Señor Don Quixote writes to your worship deserves to be printed or written in letters of gold, and it is as follows. Don Quixote of La Mancha's letter to Sancho Panza, governor of the island of Barataria. When I was expecting to hear of thy stupidities and blunders, friend Sancho, I have received intelligence of thy displays of good sense, for which I give special thanks to heaven that can raise the poor from the dunghill, and of fools to make wise men. They tell me thou dost govern as if thou wert a man, and art a man as if thou wert a beast, so great is the humility wherewith thou dost comport thyself. But I would have thee bear in mind, Sancho, that very often it is fitting and necessary for the authority of office to resist the humility of the heart, for the seemly array of one who is invested with grave duties should be such as they require, and not measured by what his own humble tastes may lead him to prefer. Dress well, a stick dressed up does not look like a stick. I do not say thou shouldst wear trinkets or fine raiment, or that being a judge thou shouldst dress like a soldier, but that thou shouldst array thyself in the apparel thy office requires, and that at the same time it be neat and handsome. To win the good will of the people thou governest there are two things, among others, that thou must do, 
one is to be civil to all, this, however, I told thee before, and the other to take care that food be abundant, for there is nothing that vexes the heart of the poor more than hunger and high prices. Make not many proclamations, but those thou makest take care that they be good ones, and above all that they be observed and carried out, for proclamations that are not observed are the same as if they did not exist. Nay, they encourage the idea that the prince who had the wisdom and authority to make them had not the power to enforce them, and laws that threaten and are not enforced come to be like the log, the king of the frogs, that frightened them at first, but that in time they despised and mounted upon. Be a father to virtue and a stepfather to vice. Be not always strict, nor yet always lenient, but observe a mean between these two extremes, for in that is the aim of wisdom. Visit the jails, the slaughterhouses, and the market-places, for the presence of the governor is of great importance in such places. It comforts the prisoners who are in hopes of a speedy release. It is the bugbear of the butchers who have then to give just weight, and it is the terror of the market-women for the same reason. Let it not be seen that thou art, even if perchance thou art, which I do not believe, covetous, a follower of women, or a glutton. For when the people and those that have dealings with thee become aware of thy special weakness, they will bring their batteries to bear upon thee in that quarter, till they have brought thee down to the depths of perdition. Consider and reconsider, con and con over again, the advices and the instructions I give thee before thy departure hence to thy government, and thou wilt see that in them, if thou dost follow them, thou hast a help at hand that will lighten for thee the troubles and difficulties that beset governors at every step. Write to thy lord and lady, and show thyself grateful to them, for ingratitude is the daughter of pride, and one of the greatest sins we know of. And he who is grateful to those who have been good to him, shows that he will be so to God also, who has bestowed and still bestows so many blessings upon him. My lady the duchess sent off a messenger with thy suit and another present to thy wife Teresa Panza. We expect the answer every moment. I have been a little indisposed through a certain scratching I came in for, not very much to the benefit of my nose, but it was nothing, for if there are enchanters who maltreat me, there are also some who defend me. Let me know if the major domo who is with thee had any share in the Trafaldi performance, as thou didst suspect, and keep me informed of everything that happens thee, as the distance is so short. All the more as I am thinking of giving over very shortly this idle life I am now leading, for I was not born for it. A thing has occurred to me which I am inclined to think will put me out of favor with the Duke and Duchess, but though I am sorry for it I do not care, for after all I must obey my calling rather than their pleasure, in accordance with the common saying, Amicus Plato said magis amica veritas. I quote this Latin to thee because I conclude that since thou hast been a governor thou wilt have learned it. Adieu, God keep thee from being an object of pity to any one. Thy friend, Don Quixote of La Mancha. Sancho listened to the letter with great attention, and it was praised and considered wise by all who heard it. He then rose up from the table, and calling his secretary, shut himself in with him in his own room, and without putting it off any longer, set about answering his master Don Quixote at once, and he bade the secretary write down what he told him, without adding or suppressing anything, which he did, and the answer was to the following effect. Sancho Panza's Letter to Don Quixote of La Mancha 
The pressure of business is so great upon me that I have no time to scratch my head or even to cut my nails, and I have them so long, God send a remedy for it. I say this, master of my soul, that you may not be surprised if I have not until now sent you word of how I fare, well or ill, in this government, in which I am suffering more hunger than when we two were wandering through the woods and wastes. My lord the duke wrote to me the other day to warn me that certain spies had got into this island to kill me. But up to the present I have not found out any, except a certain doctor who receives a salary in this town for killing all the governors that come here. He is called Dr. Pedro Recio, and is from Tirtiafuera. So you see what a name he has to make me dread dying under his hands. This doctor says of himself that he does not cure diseases when there are any, but prevents them coming, and the medicines he uses are diet and more diet, until he brings one down to bare bones, as if leanness was not worse than fever. In short, he is killing me with hunger, and I am dying myself of vexation, for when I thought I was coming to this government to get my meat hot and my drink cool, and take my ease between holland sheets on feather beds, I find I have come to do penance as if I were a hermit, and as I don't do it willingly, I suspect that in the end the devil will carry me off. So far I have not handled any dues or taken any bribes, and I don't know what to think of it, for here they tell me that the governors that come to this island, before entering it have plenty of money either given to them or lent to them by the people of the town, and that this is the usual custom not only here, but with all who enter upon governments. Last night going the rounds, I came upon a fair damsel in men's clothes, and a brother of hers dressed as a woman. My head-carver has fallen in love with the girl, and has in his own mind chosen her for a wife, so he says, and I have chosen youth for a son-in-law. Today we are going to explain our intentions to the father of the pair, who is one Diego de la Llana, a gentleman and an old Christian, as much as you please. I have visited the market-places, as your worship advises me, and yesterday I found a stall-keeper selling new hazelnuts, and proved her to have mixed a bushel of old empty rotten nuts with a bushel of new. I confiscated the whole for the children of the charity school, who will know how to distinguish them well enough, and I sentenced her not to come into the market-place for a fortnight. They told me I did bravely. I can tell your worship it is commonly said in this town that there are no people worse than the market-women, for they are all barefaced, unconscionable, and impudent, and I can well believe it from what I have seen of them in other towns. I am very glad my lady the Duchess has written to my wife Teresa Panza, and send her the present your worship speaks of, and I will strive to show myself grateful when the time comes. Kiss her hands for me, and tell her I say she has not thrown it into a sack with a hole in it, as she will see in the end. I should not like your worship to have any difference with my lord and lady, for if you fall out with them it is plain it must do me harm, and as you give me advice to be grateful, it will not do for your worship not to be so yourself, to those who have shown you such kindness, and by whom you have been treated so hospitably in their castle. That about the scratching I don't understand, but I suppose it must be one of the ill turns the wicked enchanters are always doing your worship. When we meet I shall know all about it. I wish I could send your worship something, but I don't know what to send, unless it be some very curious clyster pipes to work with bladders that they make in this island. But if the office remains with me, I'll find out something to send, one way or another. 
If my wife Teresa Ponsa writes to me, pay the postage and send me the letter, for I have a very great desire to hear how my house and wife and children are going on. And so, may God deliver your worship from evil-minded enchanters, and bring me well and peacefully out of this government, which I doubt, for I expect to take leave of it and my life together, from the way Dr. Pedro Recio treats me. Your Worship's Servant, Sancho Panza the Governor The secretary sealed the letter and immediately dismissed the courier, and those who were carrying on the joke against Sancho, putting their heads together, arranged how he was to be dismissed from the government. Sancho spent the afternoon in drawing up certain ordinances related to the good government of what he fancied the island, and he ordained that there were to be no provision hucksters in the state, and that men might import wine into it from any place they pleased, provided they declared the quarter it came from, so that a price might be put upon it according to its quality, reputation, and the estimation it was held in, and he that watered his wine, or changed the name, was to forfeit his life for it. He reduced the prices of all manner of shoes, boots, and stockings, but of shoes in particular, as they seemed to him to run extravagantly high. He established a fixed rate for servants' wages, which were becoming recklessly exorbitant. He laid extremely heavy penalties upon those who sang lewd or loose songs, either by day or night. He decreed that no blind man should sing of any miracle in verse, unless he could produce authentic evidence that it was true for it was his opinion that most of those the blind men sing are trumped up, to the detriment of the true ones. He established and created an alguacil of the poor, not to harass them, but to examine them and see whether they really were so, for many a sturdy thief or drunkard goes about under cover of a make-believe crippled limb or a sham sore. In a word he made so many good rules that to this day they are preserved there, and are called the constitutions of the great governor Sancho Panza. End of chapter 51. Recording by Tricia G.